says that I will bless the Lord at all times. It doesn't matter what's in front of us. We declare of his goodness together. Come on, we lift it up, every voice. Hallelujah. In the presence of my enemies. Yes, we do. Come on. Louder than the unbelievers. 
deed. Tell the enemy today, come on. Reason, hallelujah. Heaven comes to fight for me. That's right, come on. We say, I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. Doesn't matter what's in front of me, we say, I raise a hallelujah. I watch the darkness fears. I raise a hallelujah. In the middle of the mystery, we trust in Him together as we say, I raise a as a declaration of our faith that our God is fighting for us. Come on. Sing a little louder.
problem with the beginning of the series. Well, good morning. The mic works a lot better when you turn it on. It's an easy lesson to learn. But welcome to Cypress Bible Church. My name is Jonathan Chang, and I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And it's a privilege to worship with you, again, whether you're here or whether you're watching online today. And so, again, good morning, and we love that y'all are here. For those that are new to CBC, we kind of have four values we really live into as a church family. The first being that we gather we gather together consistently to worship God as a church family. Number two, we grow together. We grow in the knowledge of the scriptures. We grow in our relationships through our grow classes and our grow groups. Number three, we don't just accumulate knowledge for the sake of being smarter. We take that and we go. It is our duty to take what we know and what we learn about Jesus Christ and take it to everyone that needs the hope of the gospel. And then we have a serve ministry where we take your gifts and talents that God has equipped you with to help build up this church to find ways for you to utilize those gifts. And that's who we are at CBC. And if you're wanting more information about all of that information, we have some kiosks out there where you can get more couple of announcements. Uh, if you've recently experienced a tragedy or a death in your family, we have a group called Grief Share. And this ministry is one that ministers to those who deal with the death of a loved one, because we all have in life. And beginning on June 5th from 3 to 5 p.m. every Sunday, this is a place where you can plug in, grieve with others, but not just grieve, but also be encouraged uh, by others. And so if you are experiencing a difficulty in life, because of this. We encourage you to come and participate. Again, you can sign up out there in the church lobby or you can call the church office and we can get your name down on the list to be a part of that. VBS. Who's ready for VBS? It's so exciting that we get to shout that out, right? We're doing VBS! Our theme this year is Rise Up. We as believers, young, old, and older, all need to rise up in the culture that which, in which we live for the name of Jesus. And we need your help to get the word out. We have flyers and door hangers, and it would be awesome if everyone grabbed a stack and went and handed it out to every single family you know, anyone that has elementary age children. I said in the last service, you could drive down 290 and throw it out your windows, but that was suggested that would be a waste of paper. So don't do that. But that is the idea we want you to have to help get the word out. Because we know that that week of June 20th, the June 24th, those evenings where we have EBS here, we know that children can find hope. We know that parents can find hope. And so we want them here so we can rise up. Let us rise up as a church family and get the word out for our VBS. Sunday, June 12th, in two weeks, 
we have an opportunity to hear about what God is doing in South Africa and Poland. For those unaware, we sent a team to South Africa to do the work of the ministry, and they came back telling some amazing stories. And this is an opportunity to hear about those stories. And not just to hear about stories, but also maybe how God might be calling you to jump in and be a part of the story. In addition, Tony and Lisa just got back from Poland where we have more opportunities to do ministry for the sake of the name of Jesus. And we're going to talk about that at the lunch as well. So if you are interested, Saturday, June 12th in the gym, uh, there is a card out in the lobby you can get. You scan the QR code and you show up and eat food and talk about missions. What can be better than that? I encourage you to be a part of it. Exciting things, lots of exciting things that are happening through this church body. As you all know, we always have a lot of information to give to you all. We can't cover it all on a Sunday morning during announcements. So if you are wanting to get announcements because you're not getting them, we have a sign-up list that you can put your email down. We'll shoot it over to you. We have an app, Cypress Bible Church. Uh, you can download that, or you can go to our website, and you can scroll down to the bottom of the page, and there we'll have our bulletin updated weekly of everything that is going on. So with a little bit more information for y'all, as you know, we are in a season of transition. We have ministry updates and changes. And first, I want to draw attention to our worship ministry. For those that were here, that were not here last week at CBC, uh, I do want to introduce Chad Perez to you all. We can clap for him. It's okay. We give honor. Right, he is going to be leading as our interim worship leader in the month of June. And we are so excited to have Chad here. Thank you for sharing your gifts with us. But I also want to take this time to express our appreciation and gratitude for our brother Josh, who's helped lead worship for these since September. We are, we are hoping that this month uh, of time off for Josh, that he can have a time with his family, uh, not just to have a rest, to breathe and exhale, but to really also figure out what God is trying to do with their family, where God wants them to go. And so my encouragement is that we pray in two ways for them. Number one, for Chad to feel welcomed and that we are excited and encouraged that he wants to help lead us in song and truth. But we also want to pray for Josh uh, that they have the peace and comfort knowing that God is directing every step of their lives. And so I'm going to encourage you all to pray in those manners. And another update, for those, if you did not get the email, we sent one out on Friday, I believe, but uh, we are in the process of interviewing two potential candidates for the role of lead pastor at CBC. That's a huge encouragement. Y'all should cheer for that. And because we are a church family, you can participate in this process. And the way that looks is we need you to pray with us. We want you to pray. Together we pray. We've been doing this a few times this year, and this is a season of praying for the elders to be led by the Spirit to make the right decision. Uh, well, not to make the right decision, but that they'll have peace with the decision that they make, to pray for whatever leader does come here that he wants to submit to the will of the Lord, that he wants to assimilate into this church family and to be a part of our team to move forward as a church. And so every day in this month of June, We'll be praying at 8.30 a.m. and 8.30 p.m., and we will have a Zoom prayer link as we have in times before, and you can go to our website to get that link. That's a lot of announcements. And so now I would like you to turn your attentions to our screens. Uh, we have some amazing high school and college graduates that have come through this church that we want to recognize right now.
Congratulations to all who graduated, both high school and college. Let's, would you stand to your feet as we continue to sing out today? Come on. Every voice. You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every Sing it out, come on. For great are you, Lord. Every voice. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out a praise. We pour out a praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we You give all you receive. 
will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you, Lord, in all the earth, yes, God, in all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing.
heart here in this moment that we will trust in you, God. Whether we're in a peak, whether we're in a valley, God, we can trust in a God who is able, in a God in which 2 Timothy tells us that when we are faithless, you remain faithful because that is your very nature, God, and we trust in that in this moment. Right there where we sit, in the season of life that we're at, God, let our hearts be refocused on the God who holds all power and all authority in this moment, God. That, God, we would not set ourselves aside in this moment, but, God, we would engage in all that you are. God, as we are fed the word, that we would respond out of that word and would seek more people to find you, to find the gift that you have given us, our freedom, God. We thank you for all that you're doing. We thank you for this worship time, God. We thank you for all of it, God, that you are faithful. It's in your son's powerful name that we pray this, and everybody in the house said together, amen. Well, greetings, Cypress Bible Church. Uh, I'm Tony Svensson, the Go Pastor. Uh, I've been doing a lot of going uh, as of late. Uh, we went to South Africa, came back for a week, and then went, me and my wife went to Poland. And so it's been kind of crazy. My body's not sure where, where I'm at right now. I'm kind of here and there and everywhere. Um, but I'm glad to be back here with you all uh, this morning. Uh, as we were traveling, um, as you may know, you're kind of traveling. You're trying to keep up with things. Uh, as we're dealing with the, the situation in Poland and, and thinking about uh, the Ukraine and all the refugees that were coming through Poland, over 2.5 million refugees coming through Poland, and we're thinking of uh, how, how, do we, how do we deal with this as a world? We live in a, a world where uh, we said that this could never happen in our day and age. We'll, we'll never face the threat of a world war again. And yet here we are uh, confronted with this idea that this, this could happen in our day. Nobody would have ever envisioned that we would be in this place, that something like this could happen. But here it is. Uh, we, we kind of live in this world where we think that we can create some utopia here. Uh, but the scriptures make clear that's, that's not going to happen. And in fact, it, it can't happen. Um, but we have to deal with this. How, how do we deal with this? And then we started hearing news reports of what's happening in the Southern Baptist Church. And our hearts were just broken and grieving. And, and then, and then the sh news of the shooting. And it, it just, our, our hearts were breaking. And people begin to tell you, here's what we need to do. And we need to do this. And we need to do that. And it's... As a church, we, we have to remember what we've been called to. We have a solution for the world, not to fix the world. <laughs> we have the solution of the gospel. It is our only hope. Jesus is the only way. He is the only truth. He is the only way to the Father. And that's ultimately what the world needs to hear. A lot of times you, you hear these churches and, and they, they, kind of, they kind of promote this idea that they preach relevant preaching. Um, the Word of God is always relevant to this day and to this age and to this time. Uh, but we have to be diligent about pursuing what does God have to say to His people for this day and for this time. 
And as we study through the book of Acts and we think about God launching his church, uh, we come to this, this passage in Acts 6, 1 through 7. And so let's take a look at that this morning. Acts 6, 1 through 7. In those days, as the disciples were increasing in number, there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebraic Jews that the widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. The twelve summoned the whole company of the disciples and said, It would not be right for us to give up preaching the word of God and waiting on tables. Brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and wisdom, whom we can appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole company. So they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Pocorus, Nicoran, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a convert from Antioch. They had them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid hands on them. So the word of God spread. The disciples in Jerusalem increased in numbers, and a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. Let us pray. Father God, we come into your presence this morning, and we pray that you would speak to us through your word. We pray that your Holy Spirit would lead us in all truth, and that we would be obedient to it. So use this time for your, for your glory. Illuminate your word to us, we pray and ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. So when you were, when you were growing up, um, you're always going to ask this question, what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, how many of us said, I want to be an astronaut, right? Uh, I think it's a pretty common thing for a kid, especially probably a young boy, but not to exclude women. Uh, I want to be an astronaut. Now, how many of you said when you were a child, um, boy, I sure would like to be a director of solar system exploration, explore, I can't even say it, exploration. Um, I, so I looked these titles up on the NASA website. These are job postings. Uh, very few people would say, that's what I want to be when I grow up. Um, but everybody wants to be an astronaut, right? Because the, those, the, those are the people, the leaders who are kind of leading the show. Uh, but space exploration is impossible if we just had some gifted astronauts. Behind the astronauts are hundreds and thousands of people working and building and calculating and training and equipping. And uh, all of these things have to be in place in order for us to, to look at astronauts. And we hear the, in the movies, mission control, right? These people behind the scenes that are kind of driving everything and, and making sure that everything is, is working and operating correctly. The church is, is much like this. Uh, a lot of times, uh, young people would say, when I grow up, I want to be a pastor. Like, no, you don't. Trust me, you, you don't. <laughs> it's, a, it's a calling. You have to be called to this role and make sure that you're living into that calling. Um, but behind every pastor, every leader that you see up here on stage, there are hundreds and thousands of people working behind the scenes to make all of this possible that the church functions properly, that there's proper balance and order, uh, and to make sure that the, the body of Christ is functioning as it should to fulfill the mission of the church. And so as we look at this passage, we see that the, that the church is growing, 
uh, and they're already starting to experience some growing pains. Uh, but these are, are good things. We, we expect this in the local church. There's always growing pains. Uh, but the, the focus was on this distribution of food. Uh, the the Greek-speaking believers and the, and the Hebraic-speaking or Aramaic-speaking, uh, there was kind of some division there, like there's some, there's some favoritism. Uh, we don't ever show favoritism in the church today, luckily. Uh, so we don't have to deal with this. Oh, yeah, we do. We have to deal with this. We have to make sure that we're not showing preference to one group or another. Uh, we have to make sure that we're being fair and balanced and that we are making sure the needs of our church are met. And so the leaders come together and say, hey, we need to deal with this right away. Um, in the church, a lot of times these, these, little, these little fires pop up, uh, and we need, we need to make sure that we take care of them so that they don't become a larger problem. But as a pastor, we also need to make sure that if I spend all of my ten- time putting out these little fires, I'm called away to my primary calling, my gifting in preaching, in ministering of the word. And so I've got to make sure that as, as a leadership of this church that we have this uh, kind of this structure and this organization in place that when these things pop up, they're dealt with. And a lot of times they're dealt with and we don't even know they're being dealt with. And the early church is already confronting this issue and they're saying, hey, we need to raise up some, some leaders in the church to make sure that we don't have this problem. And so... In this passage, we, we begin to develop the church in its structure uh, of leadership. Now, we would call these uh, offices elder and deacon. Uh, now, in this case, these are the apostles laying the foundation, right, that Jesus Christ has established, and they're building upon that foundation. Uh, there is no other. But they're soon going to start handing off that authority to elders in the church. And here we see them raising up deacons, servants in the church. And so God gives us some very clear uh, directions and some outlines as to what those positions should, uh, the qualities and the character of those positions should be. In 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 13, it says that this is a trustworthy saying. This This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be an overseer, he desires a noble work. Overseer. Uh, can be elder, bishop. Um, it's kind of interchangeable. We, we call them different things, and our denominational structures have different names for them, but it's, it's basically the same meaning, an overseer. Uh, an overseer, therefore, must be approved, above reproach, the husband of one wife, self-controlled, sensible, uh, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not an ex- excessive drinker, not a bully, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy. He must manage his own household completely and having his children under control with all dignity. If anyone does not know how to manage his own house, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a new convert or he might become conceited and incur the same condemnation as the devil. Furthermore, he must have a good reputation among outsiders so that he does not fail, fall into disgrace of the devil's trap. Deacons likewise should be worthy of respect, not hypocritical, not drinking a lot of wine, not greedy with money, holding the mystery of faith with clear conscience. They must also be tested first. If they prove blameless, then they can serve as deacons. 
Wives, likewise, should be worthy of respect, not slander, self-controlled, faithful in everything. Deacons are to be the husbands of one wife, managing their children and their own households completely. For those who have served well as deacons acquire a good standing for themselves and great boldness in the faith, that is, in Christ Jesus. Now, there's certainly other passages that, that speak into uh, these, these two roles, um, elders and deacons. But we see in this passage and many of the other passages, it's interesting to me that the qualifications always lean more towards the character of the individual. The character. How are they viewed by outsiders? Are they leading their home well? What kind of a reputation do they have? Uh, the integrity of God's church, leading God's church, is so important. Because the church is God's testimony to the nations that that he is God, that he is Lord, and salvation comes through the church. God is building his church. Jesus Christ said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. So the, the testimony of the church is important. Which makes some of the, the things that we hear going on today in the church world even more, uh, it, it grieves me personally. It, it pains me. Uh, because the world is watching and they're saying, see, I told you. I've seen several of my Christian friends and, and they've made posts on Facebook and they say, hey, I told you about these church people, didn't I? Like, do you know what you're saying when you say church people? We're talking about God's church that Jesus Christ bled and died for, that he established, that through the church the world would, would come to know the only way to salvation, Jesus Christ. We have to be very careful about what we think and about what we do about with the local church. Uh, it's becoming harder and harder to convince our young people even that, hey, church is something that is necessary. You have to be a part of a, of a local body of believers. But we have to also get rid of this idea that, that church is a, is a building. I, I don't stand here to represent a building. I don't go into the world, world to represent a building. I represent the body of Christ God's people who come together for a purpose, to worship the one true God and to proclaim him until he comes. And so we have to protect the integrity of what God calls his church, and we have to be his church, his people, set apart for his glory. And so God lays out these, these outlines for leadership in the church. He gives us these, these roles uh, elders, deacons, uh, but oftentimes we, we, we leave off sometimes the most important role. In the Old Testament, it was the priest who you went to to, to offer sacrifice, and he would atone for sin by, by sacrificing on the altar, and uh, a, a lot of times we leave out the office of priest. Um, we have any, any priests in here this morning? I hope so. Because we are the priests. We are the priesthood of the believers. And God calls us as leadership. We are servants to the body of Christ. We serve the priests so that you can do the work of the ministry. God very clearly says this in Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. And he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach the unity of faith and the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured in the fullness of Christ. 
So our, our goal as a staff, as a, as a church leadership, is to raise you up to the fullness of Christ. Beginning where you are, becoming more like Jesus. Our goal is that you would look like Jesus to the world. My goal is that I would look like Jesus to the world. And so we equip you for that work for the purposes of sending out the priests into the nations that we might declare together the glory of God, the gospel that that has the power to save anyone who believes. But there's some interesting things that, that happen in this, this passage. We kind of posture sometimes, and uh, you know, I'm a pastor, and I'm an elder, and sometimes we take great pride in that. I'm a deacon. Um, in today's world, I can, I can imagine what would happen if I went to my, a pastor, and I said, hey, would you be interested in serving as a deacon? And I've seen this, I've seen this happen in, in leadership, and pastors say, are you kidding me? Do you want me to serve as a, as, a, as a deacon? I'm a pastor, right? And, and, and we kind of posture in this way because that's how we view sometimes hierarchy in the church. We look at the secular world and we, and we think, well, the, the, there's this order of rank and power and authority. Uh, that is not how the church operates. So we see in this, this list of seven servants chosen, one of them is Philip. Who is Philip? He was a disciple of Jesus Christ. He was a witness to his death, burial, and resurrection, called to be an apostle. So can you imagine going to an apostle and say, hey, how about serving as a deacon? What do you think? Peter says, or Philip says, yes. He he agrees to this. And just just in case you're, you're curious, as you read on in the book of Acts, Philip has quite quite the story, quite the testimony of how God uses him. Is he, is he simply serving in the local church? Certainly he is. So we, we as a church, we are certainly, we want to be outward focused. We want to be inward focused. Uh, and in fact, we're called, we're called to both. And, and these leadership roles are structured in such a way that we make sure that that happens. But we have to order things in the way God orders things. One of the reasons I, I love the, the ministry of I Am Second is I love to wear their t-shirts. And I walk around, and I'm in airports, and I'm here and there, and people always ask me, well, who's first? Right? And I say, I'm so glad you asked. Let me tell you, there was a time in my life where I put myself first in everything. I wanted to be the best. I wanted everything that, that I wanted. I wanted to pursue it, uh, and I failed miserably at it, and I was depressed, and I was, I just, I could never attain what I wanted, uh, but when I put God first in my life, and I became second, my life fell into order, and I had peace, I had joy, and I had contentment. Do you, do you have a story like that? And I use that as a bridge into the gospel, uh, but every now and again, you run into a, a well-meaning Christian, and they say, I say, well, God's first and I am second. They're like, oh, no, 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 you shouldn't be second. You should be, like, at least third or maybe even last, right? Um, because, again, that's how we view things. We view things in a hierarchical structure of, of who's first and then what's the order after that. But the idea of I am second is I love my neighbor as, as myself. 
I love my wife as myself. I love, so when, when we put Christ at the center of everything, there is no second, third, and fourth, and fifth. It's all, Christ is the center and everybody else is equal. My, my gifting and my calling is not greater than yours. And we have to recognize that in church. Our goal is to raise you to your full potential in Christ Jesus, to be used for his glory and for his kingdom. And so that is our, that is our mission, is to kind of strip down all of these things that we tie to, to leadership and humble ourselves. Did Jesus come to be served or to serve? He came to serve. The creator of heaven and earth came to serve and even die a death, a humiliating death on the cross. And so if that's not an example for us as leaders, then we, we, need, to, we need to find another calling. We need to find something else because God's church is that important to him. Jesus shed his blood for the church. So in this the primary role of the elders to make sure that as they see internal issues, right, they don't want to get consumed with the internal because they are external. They're preaching the word. They're ministering to the saints, raising up, equipping, um, and they can't neglect that, so they raise up these leaders. Now, us as a church, we've been, we've been working on this quite a bit, and we recognize at one point in our staff makeup, we were, there was a little imbalance. And so we've been doing these uh, DISC tasks and personality tests and, and making sure that we each understand each other and we can communicate well. Uh, but we found at one point, when we first did it, we were, we were a little lopsided. Um, we had a lot of probably strong analytical leaders and, and probably struggled on, on the other side. And, and now we find as, as we bring on new staff and we're growing and we're learning together, we're, we're becoming much more balanced. And that's part of our prayer as we look for these new leadership positions is that, is that God would fulfill that balance in his church that we need to be healthy. Because we don't focus on one or the other, right? If I focus, I'm the go pastor. I love to focus on the outward. I love to go I want to get you to go with me. But we also recognize we can't neglect the internal work of the church either. Both of them have to be in balance in order for us to be healthy. And again, as we recognize what the church is, each of us, different members, coming together to form one body with Christ leading the way. He is the head. We need each one of you operating in your gifting, in your calling for the church to be healthy and functioning in the way that brings glory to God. And so that's one of the things that, that we've been uh, praying for, that God would make sure that we have that balance because we want to be a healthy church because it's a testimony to God's glory. When we look at this passage, um, we can kind of miss the, the, the larger picture, though, I think. Uh, is this picture, is this scripture pointing us to, to health in the local church? Yes. Is it, is it pointing us to make sure that we're meeting needs? Yes. Is it pointing us to making sure that we have uh, 
leadership structures that make sure all these needs are being met, that we have elders and we have deacons. And yes, it's helping us to, to focus on that. But I think we can, we can miss the larger picture of what he's calling us to here if we're not careful. Um, the beginning of the passage and the end of the passage, this passage is kind of bookended by two things. The first, it says, in those days the disciples were increasing in number. And so when we go back to the Great Commission, Jesus tells his disciples to go and make disciples. When we do our trainings anywhere I go in the world and I'm training on what is the Great Commission, uh, we ask the question, what is the Great Commission? Everybody says, go! And, and I'm like, oh, that's good, but that's not where the Great Commission starts. The Great Commission starts with all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them, teach them to obey, and I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. That passage is bookended by the authority of Jesus and the presence of Jesus with us. And so we always ask people then, he told his disciples to go and make disciples. So what do disciples do? They go and make disciples. And so when we go back and the film, fulfillment of the Great Commission, Acts 1.8 says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses to the end of the earth, starting in Jerusalem. And they're starting to do this. We get to the Acts 2.47, and it says daily they were adding numbers. The, the church was growing, right? There was, there was addition happening. But addition isn't the goal in the local church. The, the goal is multiplication. The goal is discipleship. And multiplication only happens through discipleship because what do disciples do? They make disciples. And so when we look at this passage, it begins with the, this idea that the that disciples are increasing. The disciples are multiplying. And it ends in verse 7 with, So the word of God spread, the disciples in Jerusalem increased. They multiplied greatly in number. And a large number of the priests became obedient to the faith. Now when we think about the Great Commission, as we go and make disciples in the context of, of Acts and the beginning of the church, who did they make disciples of? Well, they made disciples of those who responded to the gospel by faith, right? So there's this idea of we go, we proclaim the gospel, and we disciple those who want to follow Jesus. We disciple those who want to follow Jesus. And in the end of this, it says, many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So as we proclaim the word, a lot of times there's this idea of, um, I, I really despise this saying of preach the gospel and when necessary use words. It sounds so good because are we called to live out the gospel in our daily lives as a representative of who God is? Absolutely. Live out the gospel in your life. But how will they know unless somebody preaches, unless somebody declares, proclaims? So there's living the gospel and there's proclaiming the gospel. And there has to be balance there as well. Both are needed. Both are commanded to us in God's word. 
And so we have to make sure that we have that in balance. And so I think when you see the priests coming to the faith, how did this happen? Well, the previous passages talk about John and Peter going into the temple, right? And they're, they're proclaiming the gospel. And they're seeing somebody who is lame, healed. And then the, the priests are they're persecuting them. And I'm sure some of these priests had been watching this, just like, what is going on with these people? These guys are uneducated, but they've been with Jesus. And, and look at the way they're living their lives. So the way you live your life is important, but then they are declaring this Jesus whom you crucified. He's the one. He's Lord. He's risen from the dead. And so many of these priests are seeing the testimony lived out in the, in the apostles, but then they're also hearing the declaration of the gospel. There's fullness there. And so I think when you, when you look at this passage, for us to be a healthy church, for us to be launched in the way God wants to launch the church, right? The mission isn't complete. God's still fulfilling everything that he said he would through his church, through his people. We have to make sure that we have that balance as a church. We have to make sure that we remember the primary mission, right? Now, a lot of great things have come out of space exploration, all kinds of technology, and those are just byproducts of, of, what, it, of what happens when we launch people into space. But the mission is something completely different. The, lo- the mission is to get people to space or to get people to the moon or get people to whatever destination, the space station. And so our destination as a church is to complete what God said he would do in the world. That every tribe, tongue, and nation will hear the good news of the gospel and then the end will come. Our mission is to live out the gospel and our mission is to declare the gospel. And the church is the instrument that God uses to do that. His people. And he commissions us and he sends us on a mission. And he says he will complete it. As we surrender our lives to him, he will do it. He has all authority, and as we go, he will be with us. And so I think this passage really points to this idea of what it is to be the local church. The church is the only institution that exists for those outside of it. We exist to reach a lost world with the gospel, to make disciples, to gather them together, anywhere we can, under trees and buildings and schools and coffee shops until every tribe, tongue, and nation has heard. That is our mission. So what what does this tell us? What, What do we do with this passage? First, we have to recognize we need the local church. We need to be a part of the body of of Christ. We cannot neglect the assembling of ourselves together. We need each other. We are called to be the body of Christ. We need each other. We need your giftings. We need your talents. We need your skills so that the body of Christ is full and that we can complete his mission. The next thing is we have to make sure, do we know, do you understand what your gifting is and what your calling is so that you can use it for the lo- local, in, within the local church? We want to help you. Part of our, again, our role is to help you identify what is your gifting, what is your calling. And so we offer a lot of different things to help you do that, the serve ministry and trainings. And uh, we, want to, we want to help you. We want to equip you for the work of ministry. 
And we trust that as we present ourselves, our bodies, as a living sacrifice to God, that he will transform our minds and the worship that we present to him will be pleasing to the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. We give you praise that you loved the world so much that you sent your son and that he was willing to die a horrible death on the cross. And he said that he would shed his blood to establish his church. And so, Lord, we pray this morning that we would submit to that headship, the calling that you have for us. Help us to, to recognize our gifting, our, our calling, our value in the body of Christ to fulfill your mission, to proclaim your goodness, to proclaim your grace, to proclaim your mercy, but also the, the wrath that comes upon us because of sin. But we have hope in Jesus Christ. The world has hope, but they don't know it. So Lord, I pray that you would help us to be healthy and balanced for your glory, that we might proclaim with our lives and with our mouths the glory that you have set before us, the gospel of your son Jesus. By the power of your spirit, we pray and ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Tony. Uh, church family, we are in a season and have been in a continued season of waiting. And uh, one of the things I have learned from a long time ago is that it seems like we always walk in our lives from one season of waiting and then we get to another season of waiting and we keep waiting. And I think I've realized that God works in the waiting and don't miss what God does in the waiting. And you know, we've been called to a season of prayer right now. And I just wanna encourage you to actively pray and ask the Lord, what do you want to show us as a church family during this waiting? And as an act of that here in worship, we're going to uh, sing this song over you as a prayer. And if you know it, we invite you to sing along. But this is a prayer for the church in the season of waiting that we're in right now. places I will call. Incline your ear to me anew and hear my cry for mercy, Lord.
to say completely and forever one by Christ emerging from the grave I will wait for you I will wait for you on your word I will rely I will wait for you surely wait for you till my soul is satisfied oh, oh. you satisfy oh yeah he has come to make a way in God himself has paid the price that all who trust in him today find healing in his sacrifice. That all who trust in him today find healing in his sacrifice. I will wait for you, I will wait for you Through the storm and through the night I will wait for you, surely wait for you For your love is my delight Sing it with us I will wait for you Father, you are amazing, and we worship you. As we wait on you, Lord, we pray that you would work in our lives, that you would reveal your gifting and calling in each of us, that we might use it for your glory in this day and in every day to come. So go with us and move by the power of your spirit for your kingdom and for your glory, we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.